Welcome to the Love Before 100 podcast. I'm Rachel Birch, and I'm here because everyone says dating in your 40s sucks. So I decided to make a game out of it. Part scavenger hunt, part bucket list. I made a list of all the ways I could meet my person. Then I assigned every task a points value. The goal now, find love before I hit 100. Points or years, whichever comes first. Hi, and welcome back. So this week, we are crossing one last item off my revised season three bucket list. As you may recall, after spending the first two seasons of the podcast checking things off my list in an attempt to find my person, I had become disenchanted with dating and had revised my list yet again, but this time with something else in mind. I had said... I'm disenchanted, but I still do want a partner for certain things, for certain needs. I have needs. And so for season three, I'll be exploring how to date with an eye towards getting those needs met. I'm talking about companionship, having an adventure buddy, play, that kind of playmate energy that I tend to fall for. And yes, sex. Lots of sex. Seasons one and two had practically no sex at all none. But maybe we can change that in season three. For the last two seasons, I've had three main rules that have guided me. Rule number one, make it fun. Are we having fun yet? No, I lost the fun. Dating has become this weird ritualistic dance. I think the problem is with all the advice I'm getting on how I should be dating. I always feel like I'm doing it wrong. It's not fun at all. Reminds me of a job fair. Rule number two, Focus on the growth. Hopefully, I can finally learn once and for all how to not get attached to people too quickly. And rule number three, decide what I really want and be determined to get that. I think I want to enjoy the process more. Basically, leave the job fair and enter the county fair. I want rides and games and fried butter, not resumes and interviews and coffee dates. Pretty quickly, though, I realized that I could get most of those needs met with my girlfriends. Companionship? Check. Adventure? Check. Play? Check. Sex? Not quite. And so I had found myself in my first ever booty call situation. Enter Hubba Hubba. Hubba Hubba was fun, playful, and definitely an adventure, but true to form, I found myself starting to get attached to him. And then on our third date, we had an unexpected visitor who also seemed quite attached to him. After a very uncomfortable run-in with a dresser, I decided to turn my attention elsewhere. And I asked my friend Jackie, a passion coach, to help me find ways to have more passion in my life that didn't include hubba hubba. And Jackie had said... It's actually extremely empowering to have some great unattached sex. It's very empowering if you stick to some very basic principles and very strict with yourself on these. Number one, have standards, but not expectations. And do not deviate from your own standards. And standards differ for all of us. And we get to decide what our standards are about something, right? And people have these 
expectations of going into something. No, you must have standards. Either this person does or doesn't meet your standards. Simple end of story. And expectation is about somebody else. You have no control over that. So for when we are doing this, uh, sort of um, having some fun in our lives, that's the number one key. Uh, the second one is be responsible, but not sensible. When you go through life sensible, you're going to have no fun whatsoever, no sex, and no enjoyment, in my opinion. And then she said that her lovers had been her greatest adventures. Well, I love adventures. And so I went in search of a lover. I tried crashing conventions, going to concerts, and re-downloading dating apps, only to find disappointment. And Paul, the ER doctor who wanted a lawyer who was a freak in the sheets. Speaking of sheets, Paul ended up ghosting. So next, the universe sent me to a fireman convention where I met some of my personal heroes who finally gave me the truth I had been seeking my entire adult life. Remember that old story I shared with you way back in the very first episode of the podcast? The story I had about not being able to find someone in Newport? This one? Basically, I had a story that I would never be able to find someone here. It's the land of the beautiful people, and I was not. Who would choose me when they could get someone who looked like Barbie or a Kardashian? I always thought I'd be a really great catch in some place like Alaska or Kansas. Well, armed with my new understanding of exactly why someone would choose me when they could have someone that looked like Barbie or a Kardashian, when I came home, I had a fresh perspective and a self-confidence I had never experienced before. And so with that, my first order of business was reconnecting with Hubba Hubba. Three dates later, we made it to our sixth date, a personal milestone for me. And yet again, I could feel that attachment growing. But meanwhile, per Jackie's recommendation, I had ventured into cougar territory and finally crossed having sex again off my revised dating bucket list. Surprisingly, with Wes and not with Hubba Hubba, bringing me full circle back to the very beginning of this entire journey to sex with a man from Minnesota, but this time without the premature attachment and the resulting emotional obliteration. And so now I've decided to take it up a notch. In this week's episode, we are hopefully crossing off something I've had on every iteration of my list from the very beginning. No not data firemen. We cross that off multiple times now. I'm talking about have a romantic evening at my house. I think I'm ready. It's the final frontier. This is a big one because as you may recall from last season, I had said, I start to think about the prospect of having a man in my home. This is a big thing for me. I remember talking to my coach about wanting to have sex, but also not wanting to have someone in my house. Like, in my space, I jokingly realized I'm more protective of my house than my vagina. (laughs) But then last season, when I had someone invite himself out to stay with me, I started to open up to the idea. I actually got excited about the prospect of entertaining and having someone to enjoy my home with me. I have a pizza oven that my real estate agent bought me as a housewarming gift. I set it up and did all the things, propane tank, everything, but I never used it. 
I keep saying it's something I would do with my person. And then I went through a phase of saying I'd conquer the pizza oven alone. And then I'm just back to, I want someone to do it with. And I don't even eat pizza. But yeah, so lately I've been crazily decluttering my house. It feels like nesting, preparing for my person to come perhaps. I can feel my energy shifting again to open up all of me, my heart, my house, my body to someone. It feels scary, but good. I almost expect him to walk through the door any minute. And so I've been mentally preparing for this for some time now. The guy I met on the plane, original Minnesota, had invited himself and his friends out to visit way back in season one. And I started to open up to the idea. And then in season two, the original fireman had offered to come over when I was feeling sad. And I realized that I was dangerously close to the point of allowing someone in. And then finally, this season, I actually extended my first invitation to someone when I invited Hubba Hubba to drive up and visit. And surprisingly, he had said yes. It just hasn't happened yet. As you know, rule number three is get clear on what you want and be determined to get that. That is step one in manifesting. So I'm clear that I desire to have a romantic evening in my home where I feel happy and at peace. I'm ready for that. I feel inspired to go up to my bedroom. This is the place I most often imagine myself with my person. I sit on my bed and take a look around. The first thing that catches my eye is the chair next to my bed. It is covered in clothes. So I get up and I hang the coats and the sweatshirts up in my closet and I fold the multiple pairs of jeans and put them away. I fluff up the pillows that have been mashed down on the chair by the piles of clothes. Okay, so that's better. Next, I notice that my dresser has so many crystals and candles and boxes of angel cards that it's starting to look like some sort of weird shrine or altar. I don't want the guy I invite over thinking I'm going to sacrifice him on the bed or anything, so I declutter that a bit and wipe the dust away. Huge difference. It looks way better. I don't normally make my bed, but as a symbolic gesture, I start to make my bed. I know no one's coming over today, but I want the universe to know I'm ready and I'm serious. I take a final glance around the room and I notice a book on my nightstand. It's called Calling in the One. I'm not reading it. It's just been sitting there for months. I take the book and realize I have four looking for love, personal development type books in my bedroom. I gather them all up and walk downstairs to my office. I'm not reading them, but I might need them in the future. So I'll just put them on the bookcase in there, I think to myself. And then I stop and say out loud, no, Rachel, you don't need those. So instead, I take them to the garage and put them in my giveaway pile. Wow, that feels amazing. I can definitely sense the energy has shifted. And even though I have no idea who will be coming over, I finally feel ready. I feel ready and my house feels ready. I hope he's ready, whoever he is. It doesn't take long before my mind starts to try to figure out who he is. Who would I want to have over? I ask myself. Well, the natural choice seems to be Wes. He's a good option because I do really like how he's showing up, but we've only had two dates and I don't really know him well enough yet to invite him into my home. And then there's Hubba Hubba, who I do now trust not to kill me, but I haven't heard from him in a minute, so I'd have to rekindle that option again. And I'm not sure I want to go down that road. Or maybe it'll be a new guy. 
because I'm still on the app. And this week I have four dates planned. Ugh, why did I agree to four dates in a row? I feel exhausted just thinking about it. Mental note, in the future, no more than two dates per week. Okay, so let's take a look at the lineup. Tomorrow night, Wednesday, is my second date with Colin, the 27-year-old pilot. And then Thursday is my third date with Wes. Friday is a first date with a guy named James. And Saturday is also a first date with a guy named Mike. I've made a hair appointment for tomorrow, and I'm hoping it lasts until my date with James. And then luckily... I have a haircut on Saturday, so I'll have fresh hair in time for my date with Mike. I've been texting Misha all day about the upcoming dates, and I tell her, I'm really just mostly excited for my date with Wes. I think after that date, I'll know if he's the one for my romantic date night at my house. Although, I'm kind of still leaning towards hubba hubba. That one just feels easier. Just then, a text comes in. It's from Wes. It reads, For Thursday, would you want to meet up around 8.30 or 9? Ugh, 8.30 or 9? What? All of a sudden, this is feeling very hubba-hubba-ish to me and not in a good way. What happened? I'm already driving to LA and it's forecasted to rain. Now he wants me to go at 9? I wouldn't get home until after midnight for sure. I text Misha. I'm not sure what happened, but I feel like the energy has shifted with Wes and it doesn't feel good. He wants me to meet him in LA at 9. Misha texts back and asks, do you want to do that? I think about it, and honestly, I really don't. I've made a commitment to myself to get up every day this week at 5.30, and that's not going to happen if I drive up there and don't get back until after midnight. But shoot, I was really looking forward to seeing him again, and he's leaving Friday for Minnesota to spend the week over Christmas with his family. Reluctantly, I text him back and say, hey, that doesn't work for me. Want to try again after your trip? Immediately, I feel a rush of emotions. First, I feel sad. I'm super disappointed. Not only that I'm not going to see him, but also that it seems like his energy has shifted. But also, I'm really proud of myself. I don't have to bend over backwards for some guy I barely know. I choose me, and I choose to keep my commitments to myself. And now I only have three dates this week, so that's good, right? I'm not 100% convinced. Doubt starts to creep in, and I start to wonder, But what if he doesn't want to see me again after being away for a week? What if he loses interest? Another text from him comes in. What day works for you? I say, don't you leave Friday? The only night I have free is Thursday, but I can't do that late, especially if we're meeting in LA. Ugh, I wish I didn't have that date with Colin tomorrow. I could suggest tomorrow, but it is what it is. 9 p.m. doesn't work for me. Just then, another text from him comes in. Would seven work on Thursday? Whoa, look how quickly the energy shifted back. I think I'm finally getting the hang of this. Yes, I say, seven works for me. So now it's Wednesday and time for my axe throwing date with Colin. When I get there, I immediately feel awkward about our age difference again. It's weird because when I'm with Wes, I don't have that self-conscious, I'm old enough to be your mother feeling, but something about Colin definitely brings it out. There we are, getting a tutorial on throwing axes from this young girl who has identified herself as our camp counselor. This does not make me feel any better. So now the throwing of axes commences and I'm terrible. Like, can't even hit the wooden area. My axe is bouncing, bouncing, ricocheting. 
Thank God he didn't take me to a shooting range. Anyway, finally, I started to get the hang of it and we're laughing and having fun. But now I'm sweating. I did not dress appropriately for axe throwing. Who knew it was so physical? My hair is matted down on my face. And this is the hair that's supposed to last me three dates. After three rounds of axe throwing, we go to sit on one of the picnic tables. Colin goes to get drinks, and I pull out a bag of Cold Stone popcorn I had picked up earlier in the day. When Colin comes back with our drinks, he puts his arm around me and squeezes me and says, aw, you brought snacks. It must be the mom in you. I cringe. I mean, yes, I am a mom, but oh my God, I'm not your mom. Our date ends with Colin inviting me to go hiking with him next week. It's funny because Colin is the one who's repeatedly asked to pick me up from my house for our dates. And although I'm not quite sure about our romantic potential, I do feel confident that Colin is safe. I don't think Colin is the one, but I do like how it feels to be opening up to having someone pick me up at my house. And now it's Thursday. And finally time for my date with Wes. Again, this is the date I'm most excited about. Even though I'm driving to LA and in the rain, we're going out for his birthday and we're going to that restaurant that he wanted to take me to. That morning, he had sent me the location of a parking structure and instructed me to park there and meet up with him beforehand. I pull into the chosen parking lot and find him parked up on level four. He gets out of his car, dressed in a suit. He kisses me and hands me a Christmas present. Two boxes of seized chocolates. Ugh, he's like a box of chocolates. We walk over to the restaurant for our dinner. We have a really nice time. During dinner, he tells me about moving to LA and his family and going back home to visit. And then he thanks me for insisting on an earlier time. He says, my flight leaves at 6 a.m. tomorrow. I have to wake up at four. I don't know what I was thinking. After dinner, we walk to a nearby gelato shop and then back to my car. Wink, wink. The whole night was better than expected. It's funny that I used to worry about what I'd talk about on a date with a younger guy. Wes and I talked about what other people talk about. In fact, I enjoyed my conversation with Wes way more than my conversation with James, who's 56. So now it's Friday and time for my date with James. I find it amusing that last night I was out with a 26-year-old and now tonight I'm going out with a 56-year-old. Remember that as I tell you these stories about James that is 30 years older than Wes. Wes, the man who's driven from LA twice now to take me out, who's brought me flowers and chocolates and has been a complete gentleman. James has picked a bar close to his house and we meet there for a drink. James arrives 10 minutes late to the bar near his house. He sits down and starts our date by telling me a story about that time back in college when he was in jail. In jail with a man accused of chopping up students from the local nursing school and distributing their body parts in local fields. I say, hmm, you shouldn't start first dates with stories about how your roommate was a serial killer. Maybe don't lead with that. And he says, not my roommate, my cellmate. That's not better, James, I say. After the serial killer story, James proceeds to complain about people at his gym, his daughters, and his ex-wife. And then he tells me about his great business idea. He wants to start a car wash where the women wash cars in their bikinis. It's inspired by Hooters, he says proudly. Trying to pretend I think this is a great, unique idea, I say, oh, 
You could call it honkers and laugh. Get it? I say. His mouth falls open and he says, oh my God, that's genius. And I say, well, yeah, and shrug. If this man didn't come up with that name on his own after all these years, I'm too clever for this guy. Honestly, I have zero interest in a second date with James. The next morning, I get a text from James. Good morning, sunshine. Followed by another text that reads, I really enjoyed hanging out with you, but I feel like we would be better as friends. Would you be open to that? I have no interest in this new friend, but I think he's just being nice. I don't think he actually wants to hang out again, but I do appreciate how adult his communication is and that he's not just ghosting. So I reply, this is such a great communication. Thank you for that. Absolutely. He quickly replies, okay, don't push it. I'm not gay. For a second, I'm confused. I don't understand what he means by that. But then a second text comes through. It says, I just think we would have more fun having drinks and talking smack than trying to get all complex. And then a third text comes through that says, but the next round is on you. Jeez. Uh, No thanks, James. So now it's Saturday and I'm off to my hair appointment. I'm really not excited about another date tonight. Mike's not normally my type, but I like how consistent and reliable he is. So I'm open to giving him a shot. I'd consider canceling, but I already had to cancel on this guy once before, and he's just very patient, and that's a quality that I want in a partner, so I'm just going to suck it up, especially since I will have my fresh, blown-out hair. But by the end of my hair appointment, I still haven't heard from Mike about our date tonight, which is very much not like him. Normally, I just let it go and figure the guy lost interest in meeting, but since Mike's been so consistent, I'm actually kind of worried. So I decided to just text and make sure he's okay. I say, hey, I hope everything's okay. If you want to reschedule, happy to try again. And if not, that's okay too. And I leave it at that. Not too long after, he replies, hi, sorry, it's been a crazy week. My son got sick as well and work was crazy. Do you still want to go out tonight? I reply, I'm glad to hear you're okay. Sorry about your son and work. It's definitely that time of year. I actually scheduled a call since I assumed we weren't meeting. He replies apologizing and assuring me that he definitely wants to meet and that he's free if I change my mind. I feel really good about canceling our plans or more accurately, not accepting a last minute date just because my hair is done. Because honestly, a cozy night in sounds perfect to me. It's December 23rd or Christmas Eve Eve and I just want to make a fire, drink hot chocolate and listen to some music. But first... I have a call with my one-woman show coach. We have one last call in the package I bought with her when the podcast started. As you may recall, way back in episode two about Minnesota, the guy I met on the plane, I had said, while I was dating him or whatever we were doing and writing the one-woman show, I said to my one-woman show coach, he could just be a story or he could be the ending. As it turns out, He's just episode two. I turn the fireplace on and pull out my phone. I have a playlist aptly named A Glass of Wine Next to the Fire. It's primarily a jazzy vibe with many lounge covers of old 80s songs. Later, 
I will remember I actually made the playlist many years ago with the hope that one day I'd be listening to it with my person. But in this moment, I honestly couldn't be happier. Just me, a Rick Astley cover playing, the sounds of the crackling fire, and my cozy socks, and a hot cup of cocoa. Never mind that my hair looks amazing. Tonight, my blowout is just for me. And now, it's time for my Zoom call with my coach. I catch her up and tell her all about what's happened. I tell her about my recent dates with Hubba Hubba and inviting him up to my house. I tell her about Colin and James. And I tell her about Wes and how I really like him, but I'm not getting attached or trying to rush anything. She pauses and asks, so you think you found your happy ending? And I say, I'm not making another person my happy ending again. This, being where I am tonight, is my happy ending. I stop to realize I've actually manifested my romantic evening at home, happy, peaceful, with myself. And it feels really good. There's no longer that aching to find someone. There's no void. In this moment, I finally feel 100% complete. Wait, 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 wait. Steve, turn the music off. I promised them that this wasn't one of those stories that ends up with the heroine in love with herself, but alone. Let's keep going. Okay, so back to sitting by the fire, alone and happy. Yes, that's true. But I still want my person. Christmas comes and goes, and I get Merry Christmas texts from Wes, Colin, Mike, and James. Nothing from Hubba Hubba, though. And now it's New Year's Eve. I get many messages from the guys I've gone out with recently, and also new guys on the dating app. I even get a Happy New Year message from Patrick, the fireman I met in Sedona. A couple of the guys ask me about my plans. I send each one the exact same reply. I say, I have a New Year's ritual that I do every year to set my goals for the year. Sounds lame, but I absolutely love it. Last year, I skipped it for a party and it wasn't worth it, lol. So this year, I'm kind of making a big deal about it. I get so many positive responses to that. One guy named Ryan responds and says, I actually love that. I'm a huge manifesting guy, so I lay everything out too. I'll do vision boards and write out goals. I'm gonna hold you accountable for your goals too, so be ready. I'm a stickler for setting goals and getting after it. I'll push you. Another guy named Tristan responds and shares some of his goals with me. Join an adult sports team, play guitar daily, read daily, fix my relationship with my brother, become the most fit I've ever been. Aw, this feels so intimate. I love that he shared his list of goals with me. I start to get really excited about the type of guy I'm attracting now. And I love the freedom of just being myself. I pour myself a glass of champagne and sit down with my legal pad. I start writing out my goals for 2024. Organize and declutter my closet. Launch my podcasting course and mastermind. Plan a trip to Europe. Learn how to cook in my pizza oven. Have monthly fancy dinners with my boys. Have a date night at my house take Max to a Tampa Bay game. I continue to write until I've filled the entire page. I now have 28 goals for 2024. I read my list of goals out loud to myself and then take a sip of the champagne. Ah, 2024 is going to be such a good year, I declare. Just then, I get a text from Kayla. Kayla is the woman that I met on the plane on the way to the country music festival and the fireman convention. The text reads, Happy New Year, Rachel. How many points left? Oh, good question. I haven't looked at that since last season. If you remember, 
the last time we tallied the points back in season two. Let's do this. At this point, I think it would be fun to give you a points update on the list. Have you been wondering how close we are to 100? Yeah, I've been afraid to look. Kind of like stepping on the scale after a cruise. So let's tally it up. Okay, so, so far, we've crossed 24 items off the list, all ranging from one to five points. Again, the more daring the item is, the more points it's worth. So now this puts us at, oh crap, 51 points. Yikes. Okay, so now I'm over halfway to 100. This is fine. Everything's fine. So I pull out my phone and start tallying the points again. Attempt to pick up a guy while performing stand-up comedy. Take a bucket list trip to the UK. Pull a reverse love actually. Find a booty call situation. And I continue down the list until I get to go on a date with a younger guy. I notice the total. 99. Uh Uh-oh. With last week's item and then today's, that puts us at 107. Game over. So what now? Well, want to play again? Because here's the thing. Everything I crossed off the list was a lesson. I learned you don't learn by reading the books. When I met the guy on the plane, I had thought. From my work on relationships, I understood what he was saying. Women did tend to fall quicker than men. But since I had read the books, I said very confidently, not me. I'm very savvy. I bet you are, he replied. But you don't learn from reading the instruction manual on how to play the game. You learn by placing yourself on the field and getting knocked down and missing the shot and getting kicked in the face with the ball. As someone who was always picked last for the team, I kind of feel like maybe now I could be a team captain. And so... If Hubba Hubba or Wes end up being my person, I can say I found love before 100. Points and years. But if not, I can't quit. I gotta keep playing. No, Steve, not yet. Okay, so where were we? Oh, yes, I can't quit. I gotta keep playing. And speaking of, tonight, I'm getting ready for one more date. This one is at my house because I'm ready to cross that romantic evening with a guy off my list. And it never would have happened without you. And once I realized that, I blocked him on Instagram because I didn't want this podcast to be about him, about impressing him. I wanted it to be about me and about you. This podcast is for us, not him. And honestly, without this podcast, I'd probably be tempted to close my heart back up. So to you as the listener, thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you for sharing this journey with me and being a big reason why I'm willing to put myself back out there. Who knew finding love was a team sport? Thank you. Seriously. This wouldn't have happened without you. Okay, so hair is done, check. Movie watching outfit is cozy, check. House is picked up, check. Blankets on the couch, check. I am freaking out. Just then, there's a knock on the door. 
oh my God, he's here. I've imagined this scenario so many times and now it's finally happening. I open the door and... Just kidding. No cliffhanger this time. I wouldn't do that to you. So yeah, I open the door and Wes is standing there holding two packages of Twizzlers for our movie date. He walks in and kisses me. Hi, I say. Welcome to my home. We walk into the living room and he asks, which is your seat on the couch? I point and he grabs the spot I always imagined my guy would sit in. I hand him the remote to select our movie and I go to put the popcorn in the microwave. Just then, I get a tap. Oh, shoot, I need to turn that off. I look, and it's from a contact not saved in my phone, but the number is familiar. It reads, Hey, haven't heard from you in a bit. Get your butt back down here. I'm craving you. After not having heard from Hubba Hubba for six weeks, I had deleted his contact from my phone. Ugh, of course, I think to myself, turning off my phone and turning back to Wes. I walk over to the couch and snuggle in next to him on the couch. He grabs my hand and holds it and gives me a kiss. Do you have plans for Valentine's Day? He asks. I would imagine things get booked up way in advance here. Unless, of course, you want to spend it with your boys. Shocked, I say. No, I'd love to spend it with you. All of a sudden, I hear a popping sound outside. I turn around just in time to catch the large blast of the fireworks at Disneyland starting. Okay, universe, I see you. So we hit 100. Now what? Well... It's too early to tell, but there may still be love before 100. But one thing I know for sure, we can't quit. We can change the rules. We can change the goal. We can even change the game, but we can't quit. So stay tuned to find out what's next. Now it's really over.